Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Great to be back again today with all of our listeners and have this opportunity to once again open up God's Word and study a little bit deeper, learn a little bit more, try to cover some more ground and grow in our faith thereby. You know, we're thankful for every one of our listeners. We hear from many of you from time to time. Uh, Some of you write to us. Some of you send us emails going to our website and clicking on the email address that way. Or some even call us. We appreciate that. You know, many have actually come to the church building at Sunny Slope Church of Christ and worshipped with us and studied with us. And many of those have stayed on and ultimately become Christians themselves. We're thankful for every single one of you. If you're a brand new listener, our prayer is that you will quickly come to realize that Search the Scriptures is not just a name of a program, but it is exactly what we do on this program. We dig deep into God's Word, we look at it in depth and in detail, but we try to explain it in a way that is easy to understand and that makes sense for your daily life. We want to help you get to heaven. And the best way that we can do that is by teaching you God's Word. The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 1 and verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So God's word, the specific message of salvation through Jesus Christ, the gospel, is that, Im- that embodies God's power to change your life and lead you to eternal life in heaven with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We pray for you. We really do. We want to help you get to heaven. As you come to believe in Jesus Christ as God's Son and your Lord and Savior and repent of your sins, confess your faith in Christ, surrender to him in baptism through remission of your sins, then you become a new creation spiritually, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. You're reborn spiritually, John 3, verses 3 through 5. Your sins are washed away. You're saved, Mark 16, verses 15 and 16. And you then have that hope of eternal life with God in heaven. We want to help you get there. We really do. Now, encourage other people to listen, to search the scriptures. And even though some cannot find in their schedule the time to be able to put them in sync with the times that our program is broadcast, even though we're broadcast several times a day, we can encourage them and they can still listen to these programs by going to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. They can scroll down the home page, click on the podcast button or link, and then in about one minute, sign up for our podcasting. Now, all of this is free. It always will be free. We're not after your money. We want to help you get to heaven. Click on the podcast button, sign up for the podcasting, take you about one minute to do so, and then every day, Monday through Friday, you will receive these radio programs. They'll come right to your device, whichever one you choose, your smartphone, your computer, your laptop, your pad, your your tablet, whatever one you choose, it will be automatic. They'll go right to your device, and then you can listen anytime you have the opportunity. But you'll also receive all of our sermons, all of our Bible classes, and a great 
short, about a 12-minute daily study that we call Today's Bible Class. All of that will go to your devices on a regular and automatic basis. And again, it's free and always will be free. So take advantage of this tremendous study and teaching resource. We're getting back into the last section of our overall series on God's grace. And this particular section is talking about how God's grace is sufficient. Now, if you have not been listening over the last few sessions of today's uh, uh, of Search the Scriptures, then we're making the point in this particular section of our study that there are a whole lot of people who never become Christians because they talk themselves out of becoming a Christian thinking that they, they can't be forgiven of their sins. They're just too bad to be good. They have been so unrighteous, so ungodly, they've lived such wicked lives that they just cannot conceive of God forgiving them. They, or else there might be some who say, I just can't live that disciplined life. I can't live the Christian life faithfully on a consistent basis. Well, whatever the case may be, they're not taking God's grace into account. There are many Christians who talk themselves out of being active, dedicated, working Christians because they think they don't have any abilities. They don't know how to do that stuff. And so they never become working, active, consistently involved Christians. Well, again, they're not considering God's grace as a factor in their, in their concern. You see, neither of these groups takes into account the sufficiency, the sufficiency of God's grace to work in their lives. God's grace is sufficient. Whatever the need might be in your life, God's grace is sufficient to see you through it. We talked about the first application of this being God's grace is sufficient to save you. You think you can't be saved? You think you're too bad to be good? You think you've lived such an unrighteous life, an ungodly life, wicked life, that there's no way that God would forgive you? God's grace is sufficient to save even you. God's grace is also sufficient to enable you to effectively serve him, even though you might be hindered by physical weaknesses, handicaps, or impediments of one kind or another, maybe severely so. But that does not mean that you cannot serve God. That does not mean that God cannot use you effectively. The Apostle Paul talked about how he had some kind of thorn in the flesh, as he put it, some kind of physical problem, apparently. And in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 and 9, he says, I prayed about this, that it might be removed. Three times I prayed about it. And the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my, for in weak, for in, for my weakness, you know, is shown in, in, or my strength is shown in weakness. So Jesus told him, the Lord told him, that even in Paul's perceived weakness, problem, thorn in the flesh, whatever it was, that through Christ he could be strong. The Lord could use him even in the reality of his thorn in the flesh, whatever that was. 
And so Paul's response was he rejoiced then in his, in his infirmities. He rejoiced that the Lord could use him even in powerful ways in spite of whatever that physical problem was that he referred to as a thorn in the flesh. So God's grace is sufficient to enable you to effectively serve him even though hindered by physical weaknesses, handicaps, or impediments. And then we also noted that God's grace is sufficient to equip you to effectively serve him even if you think of yourself as not being very well educated. We talked about the apostles Peter and John and who in the world would think that they had not become effective servants and preachers and teachers of the gospel of Christ. And yet, in Acts chapter 4, actually beginning with chapter 3, and then going through uh, the first 13 verses of chapter 4, they powerfully taught God's word. Great multitude listened. Through them, God healed a man who had been lame from birth, And as the crowd gathered to see what had happened, they took that opportunity to teach them the gospel. And in chapter 4, it says that about 5,000 men had come to believe by that time. But the Jewish officials, who did not like that they found out that Peter and John were teaching about the resurrection in the name of Jesus, they took them into custody. They basically called them to account, kind of, put them on trial to some extent. And it said the text says that they recognized, they realized that these two apostles, Peter and John, they marveled at them, and obviously because they were so powerful in their teaching, they marveled because they recognized that they were uneducated and untrained men. But you see, God used them in powerful ways anyway. God's grace is sufficient. Now, God's grace is also sufficient, is also sufficient to equip you to effectively serve him even though you may not be eloquent of speech. Even though you might think, you know, I just don't talk very well. I'm not a public speaker. I'm tongue-tied. I don't know what to say. I'm at a loss. Well, God's grace is sufficient to use even you, to equip you to effectively serve him in spite of your perception of not knowing what to say or how to say it. And so you just don't step forward and you don't try to teach people the gospel. You don't try to talk to them about their soul's salvation through Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, we come back to the, the Apostle Paul again. His experience as a Christian and as an apostle and a gospel preacher. He said, and he's writing this to the church at Corinth. He said, and I, brethren, when I came to you, he had taught. He had worked for a time in Corinth, the city of Corinth, and had helped that congregation, had helped that congregation be established and grow in their Christianity. He says, when I came to you and did not, I, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God, Paul's saying, I didn't come to you as a great orator. 
I didn't come to you as a great speech maker. I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. Now, he declared to them the testimony of God, but it was not as a great public speaker, apparently. He goes on in verse 2 and says, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, Paul says, in, in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. You know, I used to know a gospel preacher who talked about that. Now, when I began hearing him preach, I was impressed with the power with which he could proclaim the word of God. But he shared publicly that there were times when before he'd get up to preach, he'd go back to the men's room and throw up. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how, you know, fearful he was perhaps at that time. But he did not let that stop him then from coming back out and getting up and preaching. And oh, he did so powerfully. There have been times, and I've been preaching the gospel for over 40 years, there have been times when before I would get up to preach, I'd be sitting there and I'd have my sermon ready. And I would have already gone over it and haven't been prepared to, to, to present it. And then I'd be, stand, I'd be sitting there before I got up thinking something along the line, what are you doing here? <laughs> well, again, that, that kind of a bit of fear, perhaps, a little bit of a fear factor there coming out but I did not let that stop me from getting up and proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming, teaching God's word. Paul says, I did not come to you with excellence of speech or of wisdom when I was declaring to you the testimony of God. I, I came to you, I was determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, but he still taught them. He didn't let the weakness and the fear and the trembling keep him from doing what he was there to do, and that was teaching them the gospel. He said in verse 4, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Well, again, it is the gospel message, the simple gospel message that is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. Romans 1 and verse 16. And Paul wrote that too, by, way, by the way, by way of inspiration. And so I didn't want you to be overwhelmed or motivated by great flowery speech. I wanted you to respond to the simple message of salvation through the gospel of Christ. Well, but what a powerful teacher of God's word. The apostle Paul was incredible. In Acts chapter 18 and verse 9, we read this, and here Paul is, <clears throat> Paul has been in Corinth. So this refers back to when he had been in Corinth. In 1 Corinthians, he's writing back to that congregation, but here is when he was actually with them to begin with. In verse 9, we read, now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. 
but speak and do not keep silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you or hurt you, for I have many people in this city. Remember what we looked at in a previous application of this particular part of our study, that God's grace is sufficient. We noted that Paul, in the face of and the reality of whatever that that thorn in the flesh was, that physical problem that he had, and even though he had prayed to the Lord three times to have it removed, he was told basically no, but it wasn't just a flat no. It was a no with the explanation that my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. And then he, he, the Lord went on and said, my strength is made perfect in weakness. So he's getting across to Paul, I can use you even in your, well, physically weakened position or condition. I can use you even though you have this thorn in the flesh. And oh, how the Lord used Paul mightily, mightily to proclaim the gospel, to do the work that God had for Paul to do as a gospel preacher, as a Christian, and as a, an apostle of, of Christ. God's grace is sufficient to equip us to effectively serve him, even though we may feel like, you know, we're just not there as far as being able to speak publicly or being able to talk to somebody effectively about their soul, about salvation through Jesus Christ. Remember what Jesus told Paul there in Corinth in Acts 18 and verse 9? Do not be afraid. But speak, do not keep silent, for I am with you. God's grace is sufficient. When God called Moses to undertake that mission of leading the people of Israel out of Egyptian bondage and into the wilderness to worship God, and ultimately God would use Moses to lead them to the promised land. Moses did not respond in a positive way initially to God's call. And he kept making excuses. Who am I that I should go? Who will I say sent me? God kept answering his questions, showing him that he would be with him. But it came down to, ultimately, toward the end of Moses' excuses, in Exodus chapter 4 and verse 10, he said this, Moses said to the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Moses was saying, I, I, I don't speak well. Lord, I just, I, and he was trying to get across, I'm not the one for you to send on this mission. I don't speak well. I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. Well, isn't that what Jesus told Paul back in Corinth? 
Don't shut your mouth. Don't be silent. I am with you. You teach the word. Moses did not believe he could speak well. But God used him when Moses finally succumbed succumbed to the will of God. God used him to lead the Israelites out of Egyptian bondage through the wilderness wanderings of about 40 years or so and ultimately to the border of the promised land. Oh, Moses became a mighty leader and he stood before Pharaoh and told him God's word, let my people go. And ultimately, God used Moses to impress upon Pharaoh to do exactly that. Now, of course, the miracles were from God. The deliverance was from God by his power. But Moses was his messenger. And Moses was the one who stood before Pharaoh in physical form. You see, even if you think you don't speak well, God's grace is sufficient to equip you and to use you if to effectively serve him. And let me tell you, God can enable you to do more than you think you are capable of doing. Trust God. Trust his grace. His grace is sufficient. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your grace. Guide us and help us to trust you and your grace. We pray that you would always extend your grace to us to help us to realize that your grace is sufficient to work in our lives. To come to you for forgiveness and salvation through Jesus Christ. To live the Christian life as you would have us to live it. To serve you openly and effectively, actively. To speak to others to the ability that you give us about their soul's salvation through Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for your grace. Guide us and help us to trust it. And may your will be done in our lives as it is in heaven. Please forgive us when we stumble, gracious Father. And hear our prayer in the name of your Son. Amen.